So welcome to the Do More Good podcast, season three. All good things come in threes, don't they, Kenny? Of course they do. Three musketeers, little pigs, triangles, your degree. <laughs> we should probably know what we're doing by now, right? You'd think so. There are times you have to step away from that and do the bigger, scarier, crunchier, harder work because it pays off in the end. Making sure that the senior people from that organisation get involved with the partnership. It's not scary. The worst thing that can happen is that someone can go, bloody hell, that was a bit of a cock up. Do I've had a few folk not from Scotland that have said to me, I didn't know you could do that with bagpipes. I think the, the message is do more good. Yeah! Here we are, James, episode number 32 of the Do More Good podcast. How are you doing? Kenneth, I'm good. I'm, ex- I'm exhausted. I've spent a couple of days at the IOF convention. I'm full of ideas and enthusiasm to take back to the office. I must admit, when you came in earlier, when I saw you, you did look like you were buzzing. It was great, um, as it always is. Plenary speakers were awesome. And um, a shout out to, I'll try and pick my favourite uh, presentation, was um, Leslie Pinder and Charlotte Forrest talking about supporter experience. I loved that one. I wrote about 84 pages of notes. Nice. It was good. It was good. Was How about good. you? What was your favourite presentation? And oh, you no, can't you're gonna, say your ter- own. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I would. Mine was pretty terrible. I saw a former friend of the show, uh, Richard Sveds, Lizzie Hollis, and do we know the other guy? <laughs> We've got our guest this week is whispering in my ear. David Burgess? Boom. Got it. Nailed it. All three of them this morning, and they did a great, an, a great um, there presentation. Was, there was the football one. About football, using yeah. football analogies. I saw it on and the, the Twitter. One, and the one that kind of... Ri- I, I, I made some notes, obviously, of the session. I'm not as good as uh, Richard Sved is at making notes, but I made my own personal notes. But he talked about kind of leadership and about the manager, and they used Phil Neville from last night. And I don't know if you saw the Lionesses last night. I did. But when they lost, and Phil gave this great speech... And he was just kind of like talking about, you know, leaving their hearts and souls on the pitch. And I thought that was a great analogy to think about fundraising. Go into your fundraising with all your heart, with all your soul, but try not to take it. That's what we do on this podcast, right? Leave our heart and souls out there on audio. Absolutely. But no, but generally it's it's been great to be here and then presented this afternoon just uh, talking about our approach to sustainability. Got a few good questions from that and it seemed to be go down pretty well and we're just sat in the bar afterwards ready to yeah, record so this week's we're, we're next to the martini bar and they seem to be taking down everything behind us so it's going to be quite a noisy one for us it is yeah. it is but really looking forward to this week so should we crack on with this week's guest let's do Just that. sitting here very quietly so this week on the podcast we've got a guest from the north let's hear a cheer out there um, which doesn't happen very often but but i'm certainly very happy about it and it kind of balances it out a little bit because James being from the South. But our guest started her career in the charity sector in 1997, working for a range of organisations in the arts and music, and she crafted her fundraising skills during this time, and then in 2001 joined the Imperial War Museum as the head of development to work on an exciting Capital Appeal. Following these roles, she decided to go freelance in 2004 and held a variety of senior roles at regional hospices, foundations and arts charities, including Bolton Hospice, Galloway Society for the Blind, Royal Liverpool Philharmonic, to name a few. And so alongside her consultancy role, she's also been an active trustee for a number of organisations, which I think is, is always great to see. And then at the start of this year, following her own experience of mental health, she decided to start Charity Well, extending her consultancy into coaching around mental health. 
So to hear more about her journey, we're pleased to welcome Claire Warner to the Do More Good podcast. Hello. Hello, Claire. <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much for staying around after yeah. convention and, and yeah. being here. Yeah. You've, had, you've had three days of I've convention. I've had three days of convention. Yeah. I got up at quarter past three on Monday morning, left home at four, train at five o'clock. Really? Yeah. And then you're going back up north tonight. I'm going up north tonight. Yes, yeah. up, north. up north. Can I come with you? <laughs> yeah. I'm sick of all these southern fairies down here. <laughs> so Claire, thank you so much for joining us. I mean, I guess before we, we get into the conversation, obviously we're sat in the Barbican just after the conclusion of the, the IOF conference. How's it been for you? Any key themes that you've taken away? Interesting sessions? I this is my first time at convention. Is it? Yeah. And I have I've loved it. It's really full on. I I struggled to pick which sessions to go to. Some amazing choices. My favourite of them all, Bernard Ross, Behavioural Economics. I would now like to go and do a degree in Behavioural really? Economics. It was just... Bernard was my first ever fundraising trainer. I went on the National Arts Fundraising School in 1997. Yeah. And he's still using the same phrases and he's still got the same... But it's just... It was such an interesting session on affecting behaviours rather than affecting thinking. And it was kind of take up everything you've ever thought, throw it in the bin and go and have another look. It was a really, really interesting session. I loved it. Really thought-provoking. Yeah. yeah. I love yeah. that. When you go to a session and then at the end of it, you kind of want the job with them. So yeah, you go over absolutely. and, and, absolutely. and yeah, ask yeah. about... It was brilliant. Any was opportunities really good. in your team? You know, <laughs> do you want someone just to turn up and make tea? Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of carry your suitcase do. around yeah. the world for you. Yeah. 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 I was talking to a few people today and saying about how those descriptions of the sessions are so key, right? Absolutely. The titles and the descriptions <laughs> are so key because you, you never quite know what you're going to go into. Um, but it's always the ones that sound exciting or sound really yeah. in- interesting that you go, I'll have to think about that for next year. I imagine year, your one today, <laughs> the one with, uh, with Lizzie, was, was just full of football fans, scarves in the air, well, football shirts. Richard made a great joke. Some guy like literally wal- walked in in a full kit. I think he was... <laughs> I don't know if he actually was in a full kit, but I think Richard made the joke of, oh, full kit. And he looked like he was in a full kit. Uh, I thought that would have been pretty impressive if everyone had turned up in football Absolutely. shirts. But yeah. uh, no, it was a really interesting, interesting yeah. one. So Claire, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, so you've had a, a long, successful career, as we've already mentioned, kind of spanning a number of organisations. Can you talk us through how it all started and what okay. got you to where you are today? So I think like lots of people, I fell into fundraising. It was in my family. So my dad, shortly after I was born, my dad worked for Oxfam and he went and did some of the Wells for Africa stuff with Oxfam. So we have always been, well, I've always been, I was brought up in a family of do-gooders. In fact, we call him Dillis Dugod on regular occasions. <laughs> I went, my passion was music. I played the flute and I went to music school in Manchester and it was my aim to play in an orchestra. Apart from when I got to music school, I found that while I loved playing the flute, I didn't love it enough to do it as a job. I wanted to do it as a, as a hobby and do something else as a job. And the late 90s was not a great place to be at a music school and decided you didn't want to be a musician now it's an amazing academic school as well but at the time it just set people up to go on to music college so I ended up doing a business studies degree but when I finished that this job was advertised at the Halle Orchestra and I thought that's just a busman's holiday that's everything I want it's a desk job but in an industry I love had no idea what development was thought I could bluff my way through it you know I play the flute I'll be all right uh, there was no way I was ever getting that job. It was a proper corporate sponsorship job. But I had this amazing boss, Kath. Um, so you got it? You got the gig? No, they oh. created me a job. Oh, I like it. So, so they interviewed me and she just she phoned me and she said, we can't give you that job, but we'd really like to take you on. We'd like to, to develop a role for you. So they created me a training role and it was brilliant because it was a proper 
big organisation with big organisation mentality and the culture of developing staff. And I just had a brilliant start in my, in my career. So I was really, really lucky. I went from there to Opera North in Leeds and did corporate sponsorship role. And it was when I was at Opera North in Leeds that they asked me, would I go and work on the Capital Appeal to build the Imperial War Museum on Salford Keys? And that was where I went after that. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. And what so, was it? Sorry, I was just going <laughs> to ask you. What, what do you think she saw in you at that point that <sighs> meant that she ended up creating a job? Because that doesn't happen very often. I don't know. Some ballsy 21-year-old who really? thought she could go and get a sponsorship job with absolutely no <laughs> experience whatsoever. <laughs> but it was that. It was the the, co- the passion and the cause, the passion for the cause. So, mm. music has always been such a massive part of my life, mm. and. I don't, still don't have any issue at all in selling why you should donate to an arts organisation. I obviously also believe you should donate to lots of other causes. Yeah. But once you have a life and once that life is secure, that life is made so much more amazing by having artistic or cultural endeavour in it. And mm-hmm. I, I'm more than happy to be able to advocate for that. And I think if, if it's really important to you and you're able to talk about it and passionately about it, then that's half of fundraising. So I guess I could do a bit of it without any experience or skills. So yeah. Kenneth and I have talked maybe off air about doing a sort of bingo chart for, for listening to, to mm-hmm. these episodes. And one of the things would be like ticking off when Ken, whenever yep. Kenneth yep. gets excited about leadership or when I make a terrible dad joke or when our guest says there was this person who Absolutely. really championed me Absolutely. and saw something in me and took me to the next level. Absolutely. Uh, and it sounds like that's what she did. It is. You. And she made me want to do that too. Really? So So... When I have further through my career, I have seen people and I have thought, if it weren't for the opportunity I was given, I wouldn't be here. So I wouldn't have been able to offer you that job. So let's, it's, why would you not attempt to make everybody around you as great as they can be and be as successful as they can be? Surround yourself with the most success you can, not squash them down and keep them and restrict them. You hear that, Kenny? Stop squashing me down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what did they say? You end up being the average of the the, the six people you spend most time with. And I think that that worries me. (laughs) Worries me, James, because 32 episodes in. But no, I mean, of course, you've got your family and things, but of course, friends and people that you work with and colleagues and recruitment, you want to spend people that you can take something from but also give you something in terms of energy and and things like that. And you touched on it there. But are there differences between fundraising for um, an arts charity than there are to, to I don't know, healthcare or, or something? Well, when I started in the arts, if you went on a fundraising course, you kind of got <laughs> sat in the corner because you weren't you weren't a proper charity. You know, proper charities shook buckets, and and I think it is about what you're passionate about. And there is, you have to have a life in order to appreciate other things. So there is that the Maslow's hierarchy of needs but mm. on a life scale first of all you have to have food and water and you have to have that but not far up for me there are things I would go without before I went without music definitely mm. and I was always able to really demonstrate the value of a cultural life to other organisations in a region to the life of a region so you were never going to attract the people that you wanted in a region if you didn't have a vibrant life that was going to attract lots of different types of people yeah. So that where the techniques are the same, it's just the it's the story that you're telling behind it and the why that you're telling behind it that's different. But it's all the same. It's all yeah. the same theory. Yeah, and we all buy passion, don't we? We buy into Absolutely. people and Absolutely. Yeah, enthusiasm, yeah. etc. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. 
And so then how, how did you kind of reach the decision to, to kind of go it alone and, and work with uh, the number, of, uh, number so of charities? When I was at the Imperial War Museum, uh, it was brilliant. Obviously, major national institution, really, really proud. Great, great organisation. I got that far where I was managing fundraisers and I wasn't fundraising. And really? I really missed yeah. the whites of the eyes the sharing of the story and the, the building of that relationship and then asking for some money and I missed it and I got to listen to other people tell me about how well they'd done at it and I thought, oh that's really good, that's really good I want to do it too so um, I decided to go to go. my contract with the Imperial War Museum was a fixed term contract to, to finish the capital appeal so I had the opportunity to leave without having to choose to leave if you see what I mean mm. there was a natural break and I just decided to go from an enormous organisation to working on my own. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's something that p- a lot of people miss? Because, I mean, I know certainly reflecting on, you know, I've, been, I've changed jobs in the last mm-hmm. year and, 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 and over the last couple of years when you kind of moved further up the chain, you lose that mm-hmm. support or contact. And, and I certainly noticed this year being part of the London Marathon, but from the other side, that I didn't have mm. that kind of close relationship. Do you think that's something that... And that's the thing about promotion, isn't it? That you go from being really good at the job so then looking after people who are doing the job and that must you know that's across every sector isn't it but it's a different set of skills mm. just because you're brilliant at fundraising Absolutely. doesn't necessarily mean you are going to be brilliant at motivating other people no. to fundraise nor are you necessarily going to be you know enjoy that that Absolutely. type of job mm. and i think obviously i've been in fundraising a while i'm i'm no longer a whippersnapper in this sector i have moved through so i i really i still enjoy the opportunity but i really like now working with other people and saying well why don't you try this and and watching them go and get that same buzz from achieving I then get the same buzz now from watching them come back oh it worked it worked and I've got this and they said this and that's really I don't know whether that's becoming a parent as well and suddenly you get that responsibility of living for somebody else's excitement and somebody else's somebody else is more important than you but it's yeah I'm, I'm really enjoying that bit now yeah it's still that passion though isn't yeah, it it's still absolutely. that passion that you want to see and whether it's living it through someone else or yeah. through yourself yeah. that's it so so you went in consultancy what, what what year was this 2003 2004 I kind of went freelance so I just took okay. on fundraising projects and yeah. um, ironically the first project was with the Liverpool Philharmonic right and they just wanted somebody to go in and steady the ship after a period of a number of different heads of fundraising mm. go in steady the ship and just come up with a have you any idea why this is happening it was interesting I went and did this as a freelance piece of work with Kath my first boss right. so the two of us went and did a job share on this piece of work nice. and they said we love it we love what you've done would you like to stay would you like to come and implement it so my first freelance role lasted six and a half years <laughs> <laughs> which is longer than I'd ever stayed that in another job the anyway it's the point right <laughs> it, it did but it, there was that there was that cut-off point of this is now politics and this is now internal decision-making that we really don't need to get involved in. We're, we're here to do this piece. Wow. So we were able okay. to, to half remove ourselves from that. Will you go away and decide that and come back and tell us, this is what we think. So the best of both worlds. So it almost. was brilliant because yeah. you had that that bit of a, they're an outsider. Mm. So you slightly listen to an outsider more than you listen to somebody inside, which is ridiculous, but yeah. true. Yeah. So they, they listened to what we had to say. And we said, right, you go away and think about it. It's your organization. You decide. And then and it, was, it was a really, really great, great time. So yeah. well, that sounds epic. And recently you've been starting looking at, at mental health across organizations as well. Have. Um, so, so starting with your, your kind of charity world project. Yeah. Where did that, where did that come from? So, and, and how has that developed? <laughs> so in 2016, I was, 
<laughs> diagnosed with breast cancer, having worked in six hospices previous to that. <laughs> I know you say you never expect to be diagnosed with cancer, but I, it came as the biggest shock. Nobody in my mm. family has ever had cancer before. Heart disease, yes. I spent loads of time in the car, car crash maybe. Yeah. Cancer just came left of field. And I had just got, I had a contract with a sight loss organisation in Lancashire and I had just got the team to a point where we'd made these amazing plans. It was our year. We were going to expand and do this. And we had all these great things in place and ready to roll. And I had to say, I'm really sorry. I can't, I can't come in next week. I'm going into hospital. I mean, as excuses go, it's not a bad one. You know, you, yeah. No one's going to complain if you... I, d- I did have yeah. a friend who said she was going to make me a cancer card, so whenever there was anything that I didn't want to do, I could just go, I'm sorry, I've got... <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, you know, like everybody experiences everything differently, mm. everybody experiences treatment of cancer differently. Mm. So I know people who've breathed through it and gone back into work. I ended up having my appendix out. Mm. I ended up with a heart condition. I, ended up, I was hospitalised twice. And I just didn't have... I didn't have the brain space. I couldn't remember my own children's names, let alone. And in the end, I had to say, you're going to have to stop waiting for me to contribute to this because I'm not going to. And and actually, I'm making things worse by you waiting for me because it's not going to happen. So just short of a year later, I went back in to work kicking and screaming. Let me back in. Let me at my team. Let me at these goals. Let me at these things. And within a couple of weeks, I realized I was never, ever going to be able to give what I needed and what the organisation needed in order to go back. And they'd waited a year for me to come back. There was this massive expectation. And I love working. I love being in this sector. But I was knackered. I was... And I didn't want to admit it. That was the worst part of it. So I had this big issue of control that I had finished my treatment and I was now back in control. So I had to go back to being the old me. And so everybody told me that person doesn't exist anymore. Nobody was telling me that. The old me did exist. She was balder and fatter than she was when she started out. But she was going to go. And I just couldn't do it. And it was the best thing for me and for the organisation to say, I'm going to have to leave. But leaving a job you don't want to leave, that you really still want to go and do that job, and that you're not going to anything else is is horrible. But it absolutely was the best thing to do. And so... I was really lucky I was involved in the recruitment of my replacement so I got to have an active role in who am I going to trust with my baby now who is going to come on and do the bit that I can't do and it was brilliant we appointed a brilliant lady and she has done amazing things and it's great to be able to sit there and think look at what they're doing it's brilliant and I love that and then I only work three days a week and I can enjoy the fact that I don't I don't have that responsibility and I'm able to look after myself and so that was where the the well thing was was not just about mental health but about how well in this sector do we look after ourselves because the quite rightly the focus is on our beneficiaries and our cause and the people who we are here to serve but you are not at the top of your game if you're not looking after yourself that, either. That's a really interesting link. That people talk about something physical, we often ignore the, or Absolutely. don't think about the, the yeah. mental side of going Absolutely. through something like that. Absolutely. Uh. So I was warned it would be hard, far harder for you mentally than it will physically. Really? So who, at the who point at which other people who had been, had been through, through the, the treatment. Experience. Absolutely. Wow. So at the point at which I was lying in a hospital bed, having had my appendix out not being allowed home because 
the chemo had done its job so well that I had no very few white blood cells left so my blood whatever the count thingy is wasn't good enough for them to allow me home to then be told that actually it was going to mentally worse than this physically was a <laughs> was a bit like really <laughs> bring it on yeah, yeah. and I guess it, it's a stage thing so that the mental thing for me and obviously I can only talk from personal yeah, experience but the mental thing for me came after the end of my treatment because while I was going through my treatment in my older daughter's class there were four of us diagnosed with terminal illness and I'm the only one who survived Another lady had the same kind of breast cancer as me and she died. Uh, A very good friend of mine was diagnosed with motor neurone disease and she died. And her dad died just before I started my... So four parents in one class of of 28 children in the same school year. So so I I struggled, struggled with that and I struggled... I went to a session today about imposter syndrome, but I thought my survivor guilt is possibly the worst form of imposter syndrome ever. Because I don't... Anyway, so mentally it was because you hit this brick wall of is it going to come back is it not going to come back um it stopped me from doing things i know it sounds ridiculous but like the well-being project i held back from launching it because i was worried that i wouldn't live to see the end of the project and i understand now that sounds to me who has got over that it sounds quite ridiculous but at the time it was a real thing if i don't start it then it's not good so so mentally it was really tough so just to wow <laughs> sorry um, <laughs> no, no no just to just to go back at it, who yep. who was it that, that you were talking to about this were there people on was it through so, social media or, or so you put in touch with people or support groups of having some kind or? being diagnosed with cancer is it, it, i have heard it a number of times since it's the group that nobody ever wants to join but it's this amazing group of people who kind of pay it back it's not a pay it forward thing it's a pay it back thing so regularly i have seen this now there will be somebody who identifies themselves to you about six months ahead of you in the treatment and they so they they're amazing because they tell you the things you need to know at the point at which you need to know them so um i had a very 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 really lucky to and this was making a friend i didn't know her beforehand made this amazing friend and she she sent me a text message the night before my first chemo and she went i'm sending you this tonight because i'm not telling you any earlier but she put a three-point plan point one was your hair will start falling out on day 15 so i literally went to my calendar and marked day 15 and she was quite right and then she said if you're a front sleeper and you wear nothing in bed on day 19 you will wake up with a triangle in the bed (laughs) she was right (laughs) she said when they administer the drugs this is what it's going to feel like it's going to feel itchy you'll feel like you've got ants in your pants at one point but it was this list of things that had she told me any earlier would have completely freaked me out but she told me the night before I was going I wasn't going anywhere else and I was the world's most enthusiastic chemotherapy recipient I literally walked in the Christie hospital going give me your drugs I want the drugs she was amazing but these people they're there for you they've been through it they have come out the other side and i don't know who started it but somebody somewhere made themselves known to somebody Mm. who was six months behind them Mm. and so you just see it so i've got a bunch of people who unfortunately because the one thing that's that's absolutely certain is six months down the line somebody somewhere is going to go 
my friend's been diagnosed with the same as you. Is there any chance you'd speak to her? And you, it's that you kind of pay it back because you've had this amazing experience of this support network in front of you. So, How did that make a, you feel, having that kind of someone there that could give you that? It, it was... It was the person I could talk to about the things that I feared most mm. that I couldn't talk to. The people who were emotionally engaged yeah. with me. So I couldn't talk to my husband about it because yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't say, I'm really worried about what's going to happen when I die and how are you going to cope with the kids. But you could say that to somebody else who you damn well knew had also thought that. Is so there something about the authenticity of them understanding and, and getting it rather than... It, and this I, is an interesting uh, point for for charities maybe that deal in this Absolutely. sphere yeah. actually having somebody who has been through it you can yeah. be honest and more open and you'll trust them maybe it's trust that, is the wrong word trust it. it's just that I wouldn't have those conversations because I didn't want to upset anybody mm. anybody who was emotionally involved in that my whole being ill I couldn't talk to my mum and dad about it because you don't ever want to outlive your children and all these things couldn't talk to my husband I certainly couldn't talk to but talking to somebody who you think do you know, I'm sure you sat here and thought this exact same thing yeah. gives that lived experience of, I, I know that you're going to have thought this because how could you not have thought it? So, mm. And how, this might be a bit of a difficult question, no, but how right. did your husband feel about that? That maybe you <laughs> felt like you... Um, I think he was probably quite relieved. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, well, that's, that's, no, that's, good. that's, no, that's that a bit harsh. That's a bit harsh. I don't... Did he notice that? Did he feel that? Or did he raise that point with you? Did he ask questions or was that not? He, well, see, my husband's, m- my mother-in-law, so my husband's mum, we watched die of lung cancer in seven, eight years earlier. So it was a, it was a, a journey we'd done. Obviously, I've worked in hospices. We, we had seen this, this story a number of it, times. Yeah, and yeah. I was so lucky when I went, when I went into the hospital on the day I was diagnosed. It's a very, very weird thing being a beneficiary at the same time as being a charity professional because I had worked in hospices. I had learnt about the importance of the way that a doctor talks to a patient. Mm. So we sat in the car park and I remember saying to Andy, I want you to remember that there is no great way of being told that you've got cancer. Mm. And I would rather be told in the worst way by the best surgeon Mm. than in the best way by not the best surgeon Mm. and so I don't know I don't know whether it was self-preservation I don't know what it was I was already expecting to be told with the results that yes it was cancer and so we walked in and I saw this massive great big thick pile of notes and I thought they don't have those many notes to tell you that everything's (laughs) all right And so I was not surprised. I wasn't, I didn't cry in the room. I just went into practical mode of yeah. where do I, what do I, da, 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 da. It's interesting. It's interesting. my eyes out going home. But mm. in there, I went into practical fundraiser mode. I Almost have seen, work mode kind of I like, have seen okay. this story play yeah. out in so many other people. Yeah. But they wrote on my notes, this lady is a hospice fundraiser. Mm. She has seen the wrong side of this story too many times. Right. And at every opportunity, she needs to be reminded that we have identified her cancer as removable and curable. Yeah. And they wrote that on my notes. So every time anybody opened that book, that was the story I was reminded, wow. which, which was a great thing for me. Who, it doesn't matter what you tell yourself. It? I watched her write it Did in. You? I watched her write mm. it in. It's interesting. I have a friend who went to a, 
a diagnosis as well. Mm-hmm. She works within the charity sector. Mm-hmm. And I went to see her in hospital and she gave me a bit of a brief and a rundown on how the charities have performed and what they'd said. And she goes, so Absolutely. she was still working. So and so came and saw me and they gave me this. And they I sat in the waiting room and I was looking at the hospital. I was treated at the Nightingale Centre at Withenshaw Hospital in Manchester. Absolutely amazing place. I love them. I, I love the building. I love the people. They are just the most amazing people. It's an NHS hospital, mm. but it has the Northwest Cancer Centre, Breast Cancer Centre based in there. So I'm really sorry. I can't remember what their real, what their merged name is, but the Breast Cancer Charity is based in there. So it was very obvious that these bits are the, the kind of... the the extra bits that are the charitable bits and this is the bit that's that's the NHS statutory provision and I remember sitting there thinking oh look they've put donation forms out on diagnosis <laughs> day and oh look they've put these out and when I, <laughs> when I was in my teens my dad worked for a safety sign company and everywhere we went he would go and tap the signs on the walls and Just see sure what they were still, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I now I'm going my word I'm a charity <laughs> sign tapper I am the one that goes oh look oh look they've not put a registered charity number on that bucket and it's I, th- I don't know whether it's a coping mechanism yeah, that you go I have to I have to go to the bit I can control yeah. and the bit I know yeah. but I did yeah, do yeah. the whole have to tell your nurse how lovely she's being to you because it does make oh and the nurses I, re- I still remember the lady who held my hand as they told me it is breast cancer um ironically i already followed her on twitter i had no idea she was a nurse she talked about food a lot and i like food a lot <laughs> and and it was just it was just ironic that these people you know they say give us some feedback absolutely i'll give you some feedback yeah. this is the message you don't ever want to hear but you gave it me an amazing way and yeah. you told me just enough they did things like, instead of just saying, don't Google it, which is the most waste of time instruction ever, they said, don't Google it. Here's a list of five websites that we are we trust the information you'll get from. So it, it met your needs to go and find out more information, yeah. but without going into Google's sphere of... Getting, oh, yeah. 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 And so then... So you talked about your treatment mm-hmm. and going back to the back to your role at the time. So you went back after your treatment. So I went back. You changed out. You changed back. as a person. Changed as a person. Physically and, and absolutely. mentally. Um, physically, did you say as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I had no yeah, hair. Yeah, you had different <laughs> things. I had a massive, great big moon face. I had. Yeah. I had a heart condition. Mm. So there was one point where I couldn't have caffeine or alcohol. Really. Mm. I have Jake. two children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Those things. Find other things. Yeah. Coping mechanisms. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you decided, so you were saying earlier on yeah. how you weren't sure if you were going to launch this. And so, then eventually so then you went, I just went, get over yourself. Get on with it. I mm. want to know. I had started questioning all these things about how did we, and this was by absolute no reflection of the organisation I was working with at the time because they were so amazing with me. But it was looking at other people who had not had such a great experience of being supported through being ill. And one of the things that was very apparent to me was, even especially kind of from my own point of view, I was far more comfortable with talking about my physical illness, even though it was about my own left boob, than I was about my struggle to cope mentally. And why was that when I had both? Obviously one was... Long, prolonged, longer yeah. prolonged and more severe than the other but I didn't understand my own mental health issue I did understand cancer because we can talk about cancer because it's socially acceptable and it's but but dealing with 
A, I have no idea where I fit in anything anymore. And B, I don't look, sound, behave or do anything like me. And why am I the one that survived? I never asked why, why did I get cancer. That just never occurred to me. But why, why have the four... I didn't, and also, I didn't want to not be the one that survived. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Why, did, why am I... Why me and, and that? I really struggled with that bit. And then I started getting cross with myself because I spend far too much time on my own arguing with myself. Why, why are you cross about this? And, and how many other people have I possibly inadvertently... Well, I certainly have never understood it, and I still don't understand it, but at least now I acknowledge I don't understand it, but it's a, it, I have to acknowledge I don't understand it. Yeah. How many people go through either a mental illness or an illness they don't want to disclose to anybody or something they, that is socially not as acceptable to speak about as cancer... And how, is, how do we as a sector deal with caring for our staff as well as we care for our beneficiaries? Mm. And then when you put that on a backdrop of fundraising, mm. and so there is already in some sectors the stigma of an unnecessary overhead and it's not what donors want you to spend their money on. And, mm. and so it was, if you're starting from there mm. and then you think, I don't feel well enough to go into work or I don't feel well enough to, I need to... And, and that was what got my thought process going. And because I started thinking about it, I then started looking for... And I was just seeing more and more examples of burnout, stress, yep. people leaving the sector, people... And you think, this was, again, with a backdrop of, we've got a... F- oh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about the interruption there. <laughs> Ocean liner, just back it up. <laughs> <laughs> it should be all right. There just, we go. Just, yeah, we'll carry on. So this was... A, also against the backdrop of we've got a fundraiser crisis. Mm. It's like, have we? Well, have we got a fundraising crisis? Are we not looking after people properly? Are we unnecessarily losing people from the sector? Are we stifling talent? Are we pigeonholing people? And have we got a crisis or have we just got a charity sector that is growing beyond recognition and we just can't supply. Can't is it a demand and supply mm. rather than a fundraiser crisis? Mm. Um, and so all these things played around and I had no job. <laughs> Lots of time to think. And I thought, there has to be something here. There has to be something in this. So I spoke to the IOF and I spoke to a whole load of organisations about, are you doing any kind of research? Because I thought, I need to know. We've got to work out... <laughs> is this just a research poll of one? Is it just me? Or are there others that are thinking this and feeling this? And can we do something about it? So can we, A, measure the extent of whether or not it's an issue? B, collect examples of where places have got it really right. Mm. So where there is no problem with, I, I don't know, stress or burnout. burnout or, or, it's mani- um, or it's managed effectively. Or right. presenteeism or all those kind of mm. things. Where are those examples of mm. awesome places? And how can we take those examples and share them? So rather than my default position of ranty fundraiser, actually doing something that's positive and helping other people. Because if I'm not in a position to be able to go out and take on this massive full-time job of fundraising for something i'd like to feel like i'm doing something vaguely useful anyway so i just decided if no one else is doing it i'll try and do it off my own back so what does it look like now though what 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 are you doing actively with it now so i worked with took advice from howard lake and Uh mandy johnson and simon scriber nikki bell and a couple of people who were well connected all the a-listers there all the do more good podcast 
and just went and said, I want to do this thing. These are my ideas, but I don't want to use a research poll of one. What do you think about your well-connected in the sector, which I definitely am not. Nobody has a clue who I am. I'm just an interested person Mm. with time on their hands wanting to do something. Mm. And so they said... I think it's really important you find out what it is you're asking people before you ask them. So I devised an online survey where I said, I would like to do some research into well-being in the sector. These are the areas that in the research I have done, Mm. I have come up with as being an issue. So can you tell me, have you ever felt any of these? And more importantly, what am I missing? And so I got that. I got just short of 100 people came back and shared, these are, there's these, and there were a few things that that I was embarrassed I had missed, but there were things I had no personal lived experience of, but other people do. So I have now got that in a format where it's ready to go out as a quantitative. Mm. Here is a series of statements, and I'd like to know to what degree of extremely agree to extremely disagree, or to what extent you have ever felt these things and whether you have felt them in one or in more than one role so that there is some evidence that says these are the challenges mm. other than fundraising is really tough and yeah. it's a m- so the non-fundraising yeah. challenges faced by fundraisers it's not explicitly just about fundraisers but because that's my bag that's yeah, my that's thing that's kind yeah. of where i my that's where my passion project as well but this isn't just about fundraisers i just think that fundraisers are not considered in many cases frontline staff and yeah. yet if you consider hospices or the the big caring organizations and you're a community fundraiser you can possibly spend more time talking to a beneficiary or the family of a beneficiary than a service delivery staff member would, would certainly definitely. with an individual and so you have to take on all of that, the the story and the, yeah, the yeah, emotional, yeah. baggage is the wrong word, the emotional, yeah. you take it all weight. on. The weight, that's mm. exactly it. You take on that emotional weight mm. and the person feels really great because yeah. they, they have talked and they have shared. And then you go away and go, oh my word, that man's just told me about, I remember one fellow bringing me in his wife's clothes and he had hand folded them all with pieces of tissue paper and he told me about every dinner they had had and where they'd been dancing in this thing and it was like, and he felt great and he left yeah. and I was going, I wanted to cry. I felt. Yeah, of course. And then you get on and you go and say, it's great. And it's, it's not that it's wrong because you need, as a fundraiser, you need those stories of yeah, those yeah, people. Yeah. But you and you want to be caring, and you're normally and you're, and you're normally got a high empathy threshold as well because you're an empathetic type of individual. Absolutely. You want to support these people. But just to call you out on one point, there, you said you don't have a big social following. Um, <laughs> talking of paying it forward, I think you have a considerable social following. Do you not? I mean, you put Kenneth a nice combined thirty-four Twitter followers to shame, didn't you? <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> Well, well, well propped up there. <laughs> Just for the listeners, there was a okay. discussion that went on before the episode, yeah. and now we're going to hear the story. Okay. So the only reason I, uh, that I found my breast cancer was because I saw a post on Facebook where a lady had shown had shown a picture of her own boob. It was obviously a Facebook-friendly picture. It didn't have anything that Facebook would take the picture down from. I've worked in six hospices. I think I know the signs of breast cancer. And I absolutely knew that dimpling was a, was a symptom. But they describe it as orange peel. And to me, an orange, orange peel on a 
square inch has a lot of dimples. Mm. I had one. It was like a child's cheek dimple, and it never occurred to me that that... Anyway, this lady shared this post. I found my breast cancer. I went was diagnosed. I was treated amazingly. My social media hating husband said... You have yours is nothing like as obvious as that. You have to you have to tell people. You have to share. You would not have found it were it not for that photo. So it was less than a week after I'd been diagnosed. I had told the people closest to me face to face. So I wrote this Facebook post for my. I think I had about eighty-eight Facebook friends at the time. People I actually know. Lots more people than I actually show off. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I said, I'm really sorry if I haven't, you know, this is a post I never in a million course, years yeah. thought I would post. If there was ever anybody less likely to share a photograph of their boob on social media. <laughs> so this wasn't a regular struggle. thing. Let's no, just get that. You, you're you going to struggle to okay, find them. Cool. And I did. And I got this most amazing, amazing support. And then somebody typed the immortal words. Would you make this post public so I can share it? Brilliant. So my immediate gut <laughs> well, wrench actually, was uh, <laughs> actually um, no I've shared it with 88 <laughs> people I've done my bit yeah. no a lady I have never met and I'm never ever likely to meet saved my life because she posted a picture of her of boob course. on Facebook yeah 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 so what do you do? You're a fundraiser. You're all yeah. about share the story. Yeah. Prevention's better than cure. Yeah, da, it, da, 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 da. it kind of takes yeah. that, 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 that part of where you're working at a charity and they say, can you just come and get involved in this photo shoot? Yeah. And you're like, yeah. okay. I've seen yeah. those photos, Kenny. <laughs> yeah, I've got them saved. Level, but. So I did. So it went, it went nuts. Did it? The following day, got up and I had a direct message from a journalist from the Daily Mail <laughs> saying she had seen this, seen this Facebook share post, they would like to use it as a story. And I remember saying to my husband, um, <laughs> <laughs> it gets better, doesn't it? <laughs> I remember saying to him, I don't know what I do now. <laughs> what do I do? Uh, what have I started? I hope it doesn't go in the right hand, the area known to others, not me, as the sidebar of shame. <laughs> so he said, what's the sidebar of shame? So I opened up the Daily Mail online and I went, that's the sidebar of shame. And he went, well, you're quite fairly certain it's not because I was top left story. Wow. So was, that's... Woman that's shows, shares photograph of, of little known symptom of breast cancer. At yeah. which point, I think the bottom fell out of my bottom is the only way to describe <laughs> it. I kind of went, oh, oh my word, oh God, oh my boob. I wish I put an ask on there. I wish I put an ask on there. I wish I put an ask on there. Where was the where was the oh, short code? Absolutely. And <laughs> oh, then wow. it went so I got it was crazy and I think it's interesting I have deli- at a convention today I've delivered a session on in- engaging beneficiaries because yeah. obviously the only reason I got cancer was to have that beneficiary experience yeah. so I could uh, <laughs> within less than a week of being diagnosed with breast cancer as a 41-year-old mum of two wife of one daughter what have you i was asked uh it just went crazy i was asked on the range show i was asked to go on television in australia in new zealand in spain and at that point the the fundraiser thing suddenly fell away and i just went oh this you know sh one t just got real this is this really is now this is and it was a bit (laughs) (laughs) 
it, it would just got a bit too much. I, really? I then because I hadn't just been diagnosed. I had just been diagnosed. It was less than a week. I wow, hadn't had any yeah, treatment. I was lot, waiting, and so that that veneer of I'm just going to motor on as if this is a work thing mm. suddenly dropped. And then the f- and so you know I have these amazing friends, and they were they were like cheerleading. I was getting messages going, <gasps> "You're at a thousand shares. <laughs> You're at this," and and it did go completely nuts. And in the end, I had to say. Right, this is my personal Facebook. Yeah, I'm going to set up a Twitter account so that I can say stuff that I feel I need to say on social media. Yeah, but I'm not going to put any more. I'm going to close my own personal Facebook thing back down to private again. Mm. So it's personal. I am yeah, not yeah, a. Yeah. So, so the, the post is still public, mm. and every year when it's breast cancer awareness or whatever, it comes. So, I think it's been shared sixty up. something thousand That's an times. Amazing story. That's so my Twitter. So my left boob has its own Twitter account. That's it. That's it. Gets to. And so my left boob has more followers on Twitter <laughs> than me as an entire. And you're going to have to shout it out. What's the What's the Twitter uh, handle? My Twitter handle is of no special type. Of no special type. Right, that's that's at least two more followers for the <laughs> list. There, your friends will be in touch. What, which which of your body parts would get more followers than your normal? Uh, it's got to be the nose, isn't it? <laughs> Moving on swiftly. Um, so now that we've established that you are a social media megastar, no. putting yeah. those other names to shame. Um, what did you discover then from the from the charity sector? So 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 that the thing that I discovered was the utter in outpouring of people going. I'm so pleased somebody's finally doing this. I'm so pleased somebody's finally looking at well-being. So where I am at the moment is I have responses from just short of 100 people, but qualitative. This is people writing me stories. This is them telling me this is what... And what I suspected might be true at the moment looks like it could be. So like all good fundraising things, we have a pyramid. And at the bottom, they don't have a huge impact, but they're massively widespread things like expect- expectation exceeding reality yeah. <laughs> things like number of extra hours worked yeah things like it being acceptable to contact people while they're on holiday and yeah. while they're ill because that's the sector we're in so if you're on holiday obviously you want to you know you'd want to know these things and 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 they're things that I'm, I got very cross with myself about because I have, I, I know I've said them myself. Well, I'm I know I'm on holiday. Kenny, I know I'm on I'm holiday. guilty of all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. I know I'm on holiday, but just let me know. It's like, no, I'll say it again. You're not on the top of your game unless you're on the top of your game. Mm-hmm. You need a break. You need a rest. You need all these things. So then you move further up the thing of, uh, a bit further up at the moment appears to be bad management and the impact of bad management and some bullying and some rubbish really? decisions and some complete lack of support and then you go up to the fortunately very few and far between thus far in the inf- information that I've been given but really big stuff like sexual harassment or homophobia, homophobia. get my yeah. word right racism some of those kinds how big's your pool at the moment what, how, uh, so it's, I've got just short of 100 people have given right. me so the other thing I'm very aware of is if you're prepared to write something yes, you have experienced it quite badly mm. so now my thing is I have got it's like I say 
be ready a week on Monday, the whole quantitative thing about just come along and tell me, give me a score out of five, I have or haven't, because I now need numbers. I need numbers to back up whether or not this really is a problem and, and so to what well, extent God, I mean, it certainly is. The, if you read Fundraising Magazine, this I don't know when this is going out, but this month, so the, the, mm-hmm. the latest edition of that is all about this, isn't it? It's all about yeah. the yeah. subjects that you've been talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. front page news. And, 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 and what's, what's your... What's your objective? I mean, knowing you're so, a, knowing you're a seasoned fundraiser, yep. you would have so gone into this with a with a bit of a plan and, and and thinking about what you could ultimately deliver through this. So work. my objective is that there are so many of us still here and still wanting to do it. There is that something that gets under your skin about, and it's an amazing, amazing career to have. Yes. And we attract some truly awesome people. But we need to treat them as well as we treat... Yeah, obviously, present company, <laughs> yeah, that's utterly, that's sorry, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. truly well, we can, awesomeness. We ching-ching to ourselves. The triangle yeah. of awesomeness. Um, <laughs> but, but we really... Uh, there's been a whole load of slides about this week, you know. Find amazing people and treat them really yeah. well and let them be as good as they can be because... If this is how we're performing in a sector where some people are feeling a bit oppressed and some people are feeling very oppressed and some people are feeling... Can you imagine what we could actually achieve if, if we all felt mm, like we were mm, well-supported, well this, well that, and the number of people we wouldn't have lost to, mm, from the sector and how well we could attract people in? Yeah. And I know it's not going to solve everything, but I would just... And there are brilliant examples out there not just in the charity sector, but I have got some great ones in the charity sector where people are just are managing this stuff really well. Yeah. So let's find them and let's share them and let's do that thing that says, let's allow our fundraisers to be as awesome as possible. So yeah. So if some of those awesome fundraisers out there, maybe maybe six or seven who are listening to this episode, <laughs> it's gone um, up. What, <laughs> what, would you, what would you encourage them to do? What would you like them to do? So I would like them to, to take part in the survey and to make their friends make ask their friends and colleagues very nicely to take part in the survey where is it um, where can they, where's the link so to that? the link is it's on my website which is claire-warner.com forward slash wellbeing hyphen research that snazzy snappy title there's a facebook group charity okay. well share your story share your share uh, what i'm looking for more than anything is these amazing examples of where people are getting it right so where have you seen it where have you seen it work well? What's mm. the stuff that we can use okay. and share so and generate? you're not just after people who have nope. had bad experiences. Nope. You want absolutely, you want good as well. absolutely. Yeah. Hearing you talk, it is that about being a bit open because I can certainly, in my career in fundraising, and of course I'm not necessarily directly in fundraising anymore, but a lot of the things you talk mm-hmm. about about burnout and mm-hmm. stuff, I can certainly connect with. And I remember it was us going on some training that the organisation facilitated and said, mm-hmm. look, we, we're, we acknowledge that you know, people are finding s- certain things difficult. Let's have some training, let's have mm-hmm. some coaching, let's be open, let's talk about these issues and yep. challenges. And then they were addressed. And that was a Absolutely. positive experience for me because at Absolutely. the time prior to that, I felt like I was quite, oh, God, I can't feel like this. I shouldn't yeah. be feeling like no. this. Like, I can't see anybody else feeling like this. No. But then we went through the p- where we all came out and everyone spoke about how do they feel. And so, yeah, it's... Um, so I have become a bit of a of a well-being annoyance now. Well, I, um, I don't know about annoyance because it's, <laughs> you know everything you everything you are saying, everything what? you are talking you about and I, is what we need. You what, and I talk about this because 
we, you know, we uh, we work nine to fives, and then we also do this, which is fun. It's great, but mm. it also it does take a bit of time. And you and I often have conversations around. God, I'm just so busy this week. How are we going to fit mm. this in? Or uh, I'm having a free week, and let's let's book some stuff in. Mm. It, mm. It's more acceptable yeah. to have a conversation around that now. And I went. Kenneth to is your man. Talk to Kenneth. Yeah. He's good mm. at. I this. went to the IOF Yorkshire conference a few weeks ago, and I won't name the person because it's up to them whether they want to name themselves. But I spotted this person who was new in a role. And I went up to them and I said, are you all right? And I went, yeah, it's really great. And I went, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went, can I tell you what I think? And they went, you're going to do it anyway. I went, yeah, you're right. (laughs) So I said, just be careful that you don't try too hard to over deliver in this first period. Mm. Because if you do that, you then set yourself up for... Mm. This is what, you know, the first 90 days in any role is what then becomes expected of you. So don't set yourself up for fail. Don't set yourself up for something that is not sustainable and that is not, you cannot carry on. Mm. Just, just take a breath, take a step back and think, what do I want to... They came up to me a couple of hours later and went, until you said that, I hadn't been able to identify what the problem was. Mm. But I went away and thought about it and absolutely I thought, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. I've now, because I'm now watching, because I have done all this, I've done loads of research into yeah, the yeah, trigger yeah. points and where it's happening and what's yeah. going on. You can spot it. I think actually when we were we were speaking this morning mm-hmm. when I first met you and came over and said, Are you Claire? And we kind of had that interaction yeah. and you were talking about your work and working with different charities and how now you go in almost with a little bit more of a well-being type approach yeah. Yeah. to say, okay, there's a fundraiser here, you've got a certain issue or challenge, but let's break it down. let's let's think mm-hmm. about it holistically let's break it down look what what can we do to help you kind of get that one step on i know you spoke about yeah. kind of looking at the to-do list and saying what's been on that to-do list for so long Absolutely. right let's take that one task break it down yeah. i'll go away and do some of it you go away and do something and then you'll come back at the end of the day and we'll we'll have something yeah. and i just and i just thought i've never i never really heard anyone talk in as a consultant or a, mm. or a contract into charities in that way Mm-hmm. And it came across in that conversation. Yeah, and I love the point you just made around intervention as well. So it doesn't have to, yeah. Just ask some. You were at the plenary session Absolutely. with um, right to, yeah. Neil and Johnny, uh, yeah. also known as Mike. Uh, yeah. yeah. And they, they were talking about how um, Johnny was, was, was sat on the edge of a bridge and no one was stepping in. And that's quite a clear, that's quite an obvious one, isn't it? But Absolutely. you noticing that person at the convention mm-hmm. or conference mm-hmm. in Yorkshire. And just stepping in and saying, you all right? Mm-hmm. Fancy going for a coffee? And Absolutely. It, and Johnny talks about the fact that they said, yeah. that, was the, that was the point, Absolutely. that was the bit. Yep. Do you want to go for a coffee? Yeah. Was the, it doesn't have to be a all, big... I think oh we all God, need to I think be a bit more a like that, right? We all, yeah, I think we it's, all need to... Do you just want to go for a chat and a bit of a talk about... I think what it's you just these southerners, isn't it? They're all a bit <laughs> rude and, you know... <laughs> just as, as northern people, we're a bit more... Well hard. Claire, that sounds amazing. And look, you know... I, I guess I just want to say thank you for sharing. I think people will find that really useful. And I think like... Go and check your I boobs. Think <laughs> check your boobs is one. Men I'm, I'm as well as women. Men, Men as well. Yeah. That was the yeah. thing that really shocked me. Yeah. The day I sat in that in that clinic, I now know, I didn't know at the time, but everybody mm. sitting there was waiting to be told they had cancer. That was that clinic. And mm. there were four men. Yeah. There yeah. were a lot of women, but there were four men. You but don't realise it. Yeah. That, that's definitely something that isn't mm-hmm. talked about. No. No, so you you know continue doing the great things, and I think this this charity world project. I love to kind of get behind it, and I'll you know certainly go and fill in the survey, Amazing. encourage people to do Thank it. You. 
um, because I think you're right it's something that needs to be done and we're hearing a lot about mental health now and it's finally it's hit in mainstream mm-hmm. I didn't see any sessions today on mental health I'm sure there was some at convention uh, there was I can't remember it was yesterday or the day before it's being touched on so there's, there's the, a, yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of, of which is it's good in a way because it's appearing in sessions in every session it's becoming yeah. a part rather than of going here's come and identify yourself if you think you've got a mental health yeah. problem it's there yeah. it's being touched on which is great because yeah. I don't believe that two or three years ago these it things wouldn't have been would have been yeah it's, it's something that now is, is is you have a sense of responsibility as somebody who mm. it's interesting one of my old team from Galloway's is here as a volunteer <laughs> She hasn't been my team for nearly two years now. I still kind of feel like a mum. I still feel <laughs> like I have to make sure she's all right. And it's like, we have a sense of duty to look after our colleagues. This yeah. is an awesome sector. And we're really lucky to have each other. So let's look after each other and let's make sure we're all all right. And help people when they're not. Because it is all right to not be all right. But let's help you be all right again or do something about it. And that's just what I... My little utopian view of the world. I That's love what that. I, I think do. that. I think that is a we've great. Got our, we've got our Twitter gifts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our quotes for that. I Very think that's good. a great way to to, yeah. to kind of wrap it up. Your, you know, j- I just want to say thank you because thank it's you it's much. lovely for you to thank be you. so honest. I think people will listen to this and, and appreciate what you've been through and actually what you're trying to do now. And you know, you're such a warm and a lovely person, and you're. Yeah. <sighs> Mumsy. Pay you later. Is this the mum- <laughs> you said the mumsy thing, right? I, I do that. But you care for other people, when right? When you become a parent, you yeah, suddenly realise so. that you're now actually responsible for people keeping something else I'll alive. <laughs> you know, somebody. Yeah. There was a session that I was in yesterday. Yeah, I've tried to what's get your greatest, a few times. Yeah, what's your greatest achievement? <laughs> and I couldn't say keeping two kids alive, but that really is what I How feel. How old are your children? Uh, five and twelve. Yeah, gosh. Yeah. So yeah, that's a handful. Yeah, that's a handful. Yeah. Right, are we going to okay. go quick fire questions? Quick fire, quick on, fire you go questions. Do we need a little like ri- a little a jingle little here jingle. or something here. Oh my god, we could do that. Yeah, we yeah. could do that. Gonna right, do I'm going to ask the first one. If we could, pl- if you could place an ad across Facebook for one day across the world, what would it say? No picture of your boobs <laughs> as well. All right, let's go. With That's something. the one. That would be my underlying thing: is stop sending me photos of your boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a breast cancer specialist. I can't, I can't diagnose. Do not. Yeah. MSN messenger yeah. me pictures <laughs> of your boobs. It would be take your kids off social media. Nice. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm 44 years old. If I wanted to speak to my friends when I was little, I either had to break the lock off the daily phone and phone yes. somebody or I had to walk around to their house. Mm. I just think it's so... You're it's just a Yeah, it's a whole new world and we have no idea what impact that is going to have when they're my age obviously not your age 10 years earlier than me but there's not what are we doing and 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 there is like i say how can the woman whose life was saved by a facebook post say that no it has a place but yeah kids and social media and just remember that when you post something it's there forever yeah be careful what you're posting no, yeah. I think that's it. And that's, stop sending me pictures it. of your boobs. That's pictures <laughs> of my, my 16th birthday party are still circling. So yeah. Yeah, I, I feel that. Question number two, and maybe maybe it, maybe it's the same answer. Um, is there a piece of advice perhaps that you've been given throughout your career that has resonated and stayed with you? Absolutely. It's that thing about make the people around you as great as they can be. Mm. Why do we hold interviews where we make people feel uncomfortable? Yeah, I never got that. 
I don't know. Why that. do we make people do a presentation that is for absolutely no reason other than to make them give a presentation? Because we take all their ideas and then implement them later. <laughs> but no, no, sure, make we are all here because somebody else has taken a punt on us. I certainly am. Mm. Take take a punt on someone else. Give mm. somebody that chance because you just don't know what you're missing if you don't. So try and make everybody awesome. Yeah, that's good. And the last one. So as a podcast that focuses around people doing more good, what's the f- your favourite story or support tale or donor tale, whatever you like, you might be, that you've you've come across on on your journey of someone doing more good? I think I have to say this week, I don't think there's anybody who was in that room yesterday with Neil and Johnny. For anybody who wasn't in the room, the, this is the story of the chap who sat on, as we said, Waterloo Bridge and the gentleman who intervened and stopped him from jumping and how they then met, was it eight years, six years later? Yeah. Yeah. So I sat there and the guy kept saying, I know it's a sad story, but we're both here. It has a good ending. We got through the bit where the man had talked about wanting to take his own life and I hadn't cried. So I thought, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. <laughs> and then they showed a video clip of when they finally met and oh. I cried like mine. a that baby. Was well. I was at, that was oh. just, so that whole that whole you never know how far something you never know what's going on in somebody else's head you never know why somebody is behaving how they're at but that little story of go and ask somebody if they're all right was just truly amazing my only thing and i am going to start this campaign is i want an mbe for neil oh nice she wants an mbe for for neil Neil. so they were johnny um, Johnny Johnny mbe and neil I would yes. like Neil to have an MBE. See, I don't think I, I wasn't there yesterday, but I think this story's been on Channel Four. It's been all over the place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it needs an MBE. Yeah, it did that so seem a little bit unfair. Not, and this is absolutely Johnny. You would never listen to this, but if you do, this is no disrespect to you, but but of a partnership where both parts of that story are so utterly valuable. Yeah. yeah. If he had walked on by, because part of the story was. He had watched all these other people walk past this chap on the bridge and he thought, I'm going to be the next person to walk past and I'm going to have to say something. If he had ignored him, what might have happened? And that's just that there, but for the grace of God, go I. What you do has a far bigger impact than you'll ever know. Especially as Neil said that he he immediately thought Johnny was a little bit better looking as well. (laughs) (laughs) Fair play. play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that was my, yeah, Yeah. that was my do more good story. Claire. I think that was being an absolute... Totes emosh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're just brilliant. Absolutely. Um, going out here with a nice, warm feeling. So thank you thank so you. much for that. Thank you very much for Is having me. Is there anything me. that you would like to, to leave anyone with? Or any? how can people find you if they want to get in touch? Uh, and so like the that? whole of me is on Twitter. At <laughs> 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 at we'll make sure we link to both parts. Okay, so... Claire Warner, it's Claire with an I and an E, the proper way. Warner, as in Warner Brothers, 101. Uh, you already know about my left boob. At Charity Well, so that's the initiative. Just get involved. If you've got, if, if you've seen this thing, if you've seen, I'm currently trawling through the, ti- the, you know, the Times Best 
company thing. Yes. I'm going through the, that list. To work for yeah. So I'm going through that list and I'm speaking to all those companies to say, yeah. tell me the one thing that Something you wish you could share with your organisation. So I want to know. Yeah. Don't just tell me the bad things because I know they happen, but I want to know what do we do about good it. Things. Tell me the good things, share them, and let's share them across the sector. Perfect. Love it. Let's wrap it up there. Claire, thank you thank so you much. Thank you. James, thank you very much. we'll speak soon. Yeah, we'll do. All Cheers, right. Kate. Take care. Bye. So, James, just wrapped up another fantastic episode, if I don't say so myself. How did you find it? It's all right, wasn't it? <laughs> if anyone wants to kind of follow up and actually enjoy this thing, where can they find us? Well, we're on Twitter, Kenneth, at Do More Good Pod. Instagram, at Do More Good Pod. Have we gone multi-channel and even gone to YouTube? We have, but you can find all those videos on the website, domoregood.uk. And if you want to contact us by email, please use contact at domoregood.uk. 